0: It is now time for another episode of that other Masonic podcast. Brother Jared Atkins and Brother Todd Whaley. Welcome back to another episode of that other Masonic podcast. What's
1: up, brother Todd Whaley? I'm brother Todd Whaley. Jared Atkins over there,
0: Bethlehem Lodge five seventy four in the Hoosier State. In the Hoosiers, the State. southern part, Birds Eye Indiana. We say every episode we have a treat, and sometimes it's true. This is a good sometimes one it's a letdown. LOL. I don't think so. No, nah, I'm just joking. <laughs> but we really, honest to goodness, have a have an outstanding episode today. Uh, we've got a guy that we're going to talk to that we have been wanting to talk to for quite some time. Oh yeah. Uh, a name originally supplied to us on the infamous list that we always talk about that was given <laughs> yeah. to us by our Roger Van Gordon, one of our biggest supporters. Yep. Uh, this guy is uh, – Roger's exact words, this guy is a picture of what a Mason should be today. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I am going to let this man introduce himself. Brother, would you mind introducing yourself to everybody?
2: Yeah, my name is uh, Jim Dillman. Uh I'm a member of, uh, Royal Center Lodge 585, uh, initiated, uh, passed and raised back in 2000, uh, in Royal Center Lodge 585. That's up in Cass County in the Port area. Anyway, I moved to Indianapolis in, uh, 2002. And, uh, you know, it's been, uh, it's been a, uh, long and very, very enjoyable, uh, 20, what, 23 years now, Oh yeah. uh, i've been a mason i've had the opportunity to do a lot of really nice things uh had a lot of opportunities extended to me and it's just been uh it's been a a joy uh to be part of freemasonry it really changed my life
0: brother jim um before we before we get started uh i know i'm jumping way ahead here but uh I, i wanted to get this out and before we start the formal interview and you know, ask the questions we usually ask, but you very recently just had a tremendous honor bestowed upon you. I wonder if you wanted to talk about that a little bit.
2: Well, I received my uh, 33rd degree from the uh, Scottish Rite Supreme Council back in August. Uh, It was a tremendous honor, a, uh, a tremendous experience, something that I wish every Mason could go through. Uh, the degree is unbelievable. It was just, uh, it was a great experience. I was very fortunate uh, that we had it in Louisville, uh, close to home. And so many of my friends who I have worked with over the years in Freemasonry were able to attend. And uh, it was just a very, very emotional day. And, uh, you know, what, obviously the highlight of my Masonic career.
0: You were down there with uh, several Masons that we know. I think Tom Bartlett was down there. Roger Van Gordon was there. Several guys we know were down there for that event.
2: Yeah, Roger and I were roomies. Uh, Roger and I go back a long ways. uh, uh, Since shortly after I was raised, he was Junior Grand Warden when we met back in 2000. Mm -hmm. And we've become very close friends. And uh, I value and treasure his friendship uh, tremendously.
0: Roger has been a huge supporter of us. Oh, yes. uh, we were doing pretty good download wise. We were gaining, we were gaining a lot of traction, and then Roger came on the show, and we, we really just went ballistic yeah. after that. We we cannot ever thank Roger enough. He's oh, a no. he's a great man. And then uh, you know, as I told you after I friended you on Facebook, I said, you know, Rock, we're slowly working on this list. Roger gave us a list of like thirty or something names a lot of people he's like here's some masons you should talk to some of these names on the list uh we knew of some of them i've never heard of mm-hmm. and uh uh you know unfortunately i had never heard of you before and then i i checked you out on facebook and then started looking at you and then you know then you you had the uh you received your 30. i'm like i want to talk this guy and roger did he was he goes uh brother jim's the the definition of what a mason should be so we are, we are very much appreciative of you taking time out of your Sunday to spend with us here.
2: Well, those are kind words, and uh, I certainly appreciate it. And I wanted to say to you guys, uh, you guys are doing amazing work. Um, you know, one of the things uh, that I really appreciate is that, you know, there are a fair amount of Masonic podcasts out there, and we, we get a chance to hear uh, the big names, uh, the Brent Morrises, uh, mm-hmm. uh RD Hoyos and like that. We get there from those guys on a pretty regular basis, but it's nice to hear from uh, the guys who are just in the trenches, uh, working out there without, uh, without any kind of recognition or just going about making us a better fraternity. And uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying uh, the work that you guys are doing. You, you should be uh, proud of yourselves.
1: We
0: really appreciate that, Jim. Really do. We, yeah, we, we do. It's, it still kind of baffles us that you know we go places now for degree works and 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 stuff and and people's like they know who Todd and I are. They hear our voices like, "Hey, I know that voice." Hey, we know you guys. And it's just, it's like you know you're you know even though Todd's a a North Central transplant, now he's living down here in the southern part of the state. It's like you the the representatives for the first Masonic podcast in Indiana were just two big old round southern red <laughs> southern indiana rednecks but people listen they tune in and uh it, it it's amazing to me to see where we were when we started one year ago this month to yeah. where we're at now and uh, uh it's impressive
2: i think it's just going to continue to grow and grow because as i said you're doing great work and uh, people enjoy hearing from uh you know the anonymous faces i guess right. uh um, and it's uh you know guys whose name you don't necessarily read in the, in the magazines and the books but uh, who are still out there doing great work for the fraternity oh, yeah. and uh, so I, I think you're providing a great service
0: well we appreciate that and uh well let's let's get into this now you've uh you know you've been a huge supporter of the show you've you've been listening and you've been talking about it give a shout out on Facebook yeah he gave us a nice cool. shout out on Facebook so you kind of know the basis of what we do. So, you know, there's certain questions we ask every episode and we start every episode out with how and why did you get involved in Freemasonry?
2: It's Kind of an interesting story. Um, fact, I was still living up in Loganport. Uh, I was at work on auto parts and, uh, a gentleman came in as a customer who I'd known all my life. He ran a, uh, service station out in Royal center and he came in to pick up some parts. And he said, uh, I'd to buy some fish fry tickets for the Sonic Lodge fish fry. I said, yeah, I'll take a couple. So I bought the tickets, and he said, how come you never put in a petition for Royal Center Lodge? And I said, well, something I've never gotten around to. I said, honestly, um, I've thought about it in the past and actually talked to someone. And, uh, you know, back when I first talked to somebody, it was not all that easy to get in. And I thought, you know, why would these guys want me? I'm I'm certainly nothing special, Um, you know. I don't have any money, no no prestige, um, just an average, one of the mill guy. And when I the guys that I knew were masons, were all pillars of the community, businessmen, guys who had been very successful, not only in their masonic lives but their their uh, personal lives. So, uh, you know, I ended up putting in a petition. I was a nervous wreck for a couple of months while they investigated me, and I waited for the uh, meeting to come around, but I was uh, then informed that I had been uh, uh, elected to receive the degrees, and uh, I got my uh, uh entered apprentice degree in January of 2000, my uh, fellow craft degree in February of 2000, and my master mason degree in March of 2000.
0: Man, that's a quick turnaround, Todd. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did. That's a quick turn. That's one month apiece, though. That's boom, boom, boom. That's. I did that 2002. Did <laughs> that hard to do with the gym? I mean, I did my whole thing in four, like four, or five months, yeah, six months. Three. Four. Yeah. I was raised. I was entered in October of '07, and I was raised on leap day, February 29th of '08. So I guess that's not. But still, to do that's you're literally humping the books, just boom, oh, yeah. boom, boom, to get through that quick. I did every night. I'll,
1: uh, I worked on mine very hard for a year, or for a year, month by month and everything. So, yeah.
2: But well, you, uh, what, what,
1: go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, didn't mean to interrupt you.
2: No. Uh, once I got a taste of it in my interned apprentice degree, I was uh, fully on board. I could not awesome. get enough.
1: <laughs> yeah. Awesome.
2: What, uh, I what brought I had, you down to had. Indianapolis? I had my my work lecture uh, memorized uh, within about a week or 10 days, uh, I've been blessed with a, with a with a very good memory. I learned things fast. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah, Beat me. Not, <laughs> not as fast
2: as I did 23 years ago, but uh, uh, I was able to learn that ritual and uh, actually uh, working on the third interdependence lecture before I even had my fellow craft degree. Oh, wow. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I uh, I was just, you know, totally captivated by what I had saw and experienced. And uh, being a part of ancient uh, something ancient, and being a part of something that uh, was so meaningful, as I said, it it absolutely changed my life. Uh, I, uh, I I just absolutely uh, fell in love with the fraternity and didn't get enough of it.
1: Yeah, it's kind of how uh, kind of how I fell in uh, love too. And I wish I wish I could, be, you know get other people to understand that how much it, you know, kind of captivates your, you know, kind of nostalgia of it, but also that the, every, every part of your day, you think, Hey, what's this teaching me now? I mean, but uh, yeah, let me ask you a question. What, uh, what made you move from the Logan area to Indianapolis?
2: Well, i uh, I was in a dead end job and, uh, most of my family had moved down here as a result of, uh, transferring uh, with their work. Um, and so uh, I decided to make the move in 2002. Uh, I got down here and real the first couple of years um, I wasn't very active. I uh, I went to work for the uh, sheriff's department in the Indianapolis 911 center.
1: Okay.
2: Uh, ended up staying there for 18 years and from there, but uh, I worked at 10 at night until 6 in the morning. Oh wow! You're uh, <laughs> It kind of put a dent in my uh, going quads, but uh, around, uh, all around a, uh, a year later or so, uh, I started to get active and visiting a lot of lodges around here. I had gone into the Scottish Rite uh, back just a month after I paid I took my Scottish Rite degrees in Fort Wayne and in 2000, and I transferred my membership in 2005 to the Indianapolis Valley, and I uh, started doing a few parts in, uh, in a couple of different degrees and, uh, getting to a stated meeting now and then. And, uh, it just kind of all, uh, all blew up from there. All of a sudden I had more to do than I, uh, I ever imagined. And,
0: uh, brother, brother, Jim, I,
2: I, let I, me, I, I was very, very busy, almost the, the point of ridiculousness when, when you're looking back on my schedule but I enjoyed every minute of it. It was, uh, it was the real creep. Awesome.
0: Brother Jim, you know, you, you talked about, you know, a question Todd normally asks is, you know, what keeps everybody coming back? Well, you kind of answered that. I mean, you just fell in love with it from the, from your very first steps as an apprentice that kept you coming back. What interests me though, is, you know, uh, now that I have, you know, petitioned the York Rite and I'm, I'm slowly going through my York Rite degrees and, you know, by the time this episode is aired, I'll have already taken my Royal Arch degree. As of right now, I'm getting ready to take my Royal Arch degree on Wednesday night. But um, what made you decide at a certain point that you were ready to petition an independent body? What made you decide that, you know, Blue Lodge is great, but maybe I need a little something more? I'm always fascinated with how people get to the point where they're like, you know what, I need something more than just Blue Lodge.
2: Well, I did it it quickly, uh, because I went in a month after I was raised. Um, I got there and took degrees on a weekend, and my Lord, I was amazed at the, you know, the theatrical presentation, the whole work, the lights, the makeup, the costumes, the whole thing. I was just transfixed, watching these degrees. Uh, I really, uh, I didn't really know what I was getting into until I got there. I had talked a little bit about it with uh, the guy who signed my petition, who was my mentor of uh, many years, Ralph's um, Center Lodge, um, he was one of only a handful of guys yeah. in Ralph's Center Lodge, where I was raised, that actually belonged to an independent body. There weren't very many. Most of these guys were, uh, were blue-eyed yeah. But there were four guys that were Scottish Rite members, were active, and he said, you're really going to enjoy this, then, boy, He was certainly correct. <laughs>
1: So, uh, I forgot what I was going to say.
0: I was I listened to a story.
1: I forgot what I was going to talk about.
0: <laughs> so, talk to me a little bit because you've heard me talk a lot. <clears throat> Excuse me. You've heard me talk a lot on past episodes about the differences between the Scottish and the York right. And, you know, I, I made my decision I was going to start with the York right. But we have not had a whole lot of Scottish right talk on here. So, what can you tell me about the Scottish Rite? What can you? I mean, what can you, We've not shown a whole lot of Scottish Rite love on episodes mm, yet. Not really.
2: Well, the Scottish Rite is—it's uh, a system of thirty-three degrees, as you know. Um, the first three degrees are the Craft degrees. There is actually a set of uh, Scottish Rite um, Blue Lodge degrees mm-hmm. um, that uh, the Grand Lodges or the the Lodges agree not to work. Uh, the Scottish Rite degrees, not to work those uh, uh, three degrees, and they leave those to the Grand Lodge. But in a lot of jurisdictions around the world, um, the uh, Entered Apprentice, uh, Fellowcraft, and Master Mason degrees are actually Scottish Rite degrees. Hmm. Uh, there are a few lodges here in the states that work those. Um,
0: I think Louisiana yeah, does that, yeah.
2: Yeah, Louisiana has a couple, and I believe maybe there's some out on the East Coast. A couple, okay. but uh,
0: that's really interesting.
2: Scottish right versus the York right. York right very much is a continuation of Blue Lodge, uh, a little theatrical in nature, but uh, still the uh, the principles of uh, the Blue Lodge are, are very much still present in the York right. The Scottish right degrees are purely theatrical; um, they're mm-hmm. a little one act. Plays, and they all have a message. And uh, but some of them have a very large cast. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> some of them may have 20 or 25 people in the cast, just, you know, depending on the degree. But it's uh, it's something that I've enjoyed a lot. Uh, and I'm a York Rite Mason, too. I actually traveled the York Rite path uh, before I did the Scottish right path. Oh,
1: really?
2: Uh, I, joined the, uh, I joined the York Rite in 2005. Um, I was a high priest in uh, 2008, illustrious master of the council in 2009, and commander of the uh, Raper Commandery in 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I to, uh, all the York right degrees and uh, presided over all three bodies. Uh, I was appointed to the Scottish Light Lodge, Perfe- Lodge of Perfection line, in 2000- 2009 by my uh, good friend Nathan Brundle. Well, I became officer in the Scottish Rite
0: and that kind mm-hmm. of- Brendel's uh, another name on the list, Roger yeah. Gavis. Brendel is a hard man to get a hold of. I've been trying. <laughs> yeah.
2: he's, he's a busy man.
1: Yeah. Now, Jim, uh, at one point you were the, uh, I was I don't know if I'm saying the right word, but the caretaker of the uh, Indianapolis uh, Masonic Temple,
0: were, were you not?
2: Well, I was the president of the uh, Temple Association.
0: That's Board. the word I'm looking Look for. Look at the big brain on Todd Whaley. I didn't know that. Hey, I've been around for a long time. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, hey, high five. That was
1: good. <laughs> yeah, I know you had, you were uh, really instrumental in kind of uh, bringing that building back off the brink. Am I right on that? Uh, well, a bit while back you know, since I've been around stuff. But.
2: There was a team of us, actually. Uh, Chris O'Dap and uh, Nathan Brendel were both very much uh, part of that team. I had the fancy title, but there were a lot of people that did a lot of uh, awesome work. Um, We were able to do a lot of uh, nice things in there to the building that were really needed. The building had not had much attention
0: uh, to speak of for about 50 years.
2: Yeah. Really?
1: Yeah, that building was pretty rough at one point.
0: Oh, my God. I didn't know. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah.
2: We we did a lot of infrastructure work as far as plumbing and electrical. We also did some cosmetic stuff. And uh, I'm really proud of the work that we did there. Like I say, it it was the team effort. Uh, Mm -hmm. A lot of people worked very, very hard.
0: uh, You're not talking about the Scottish Rite Cathedral, obviously. You're talking about the Grand Lodge building. The Grand Grand Lodge building itself. I want to make perfectly clear that's what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, we were up there for the uh, Dwight L. Smith research. Yeah, that's where we went for Founders
0: Day. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Okay. That's correct. We're
0: we're across the street from the right. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we were in there, and uh, I guess they're redoing the auditorium in there now. Yeah, because when we were in in there for Founders
0: Day, they had the whole bottom auditorium tore to pieces, like a complete remodel going on in there.
2: Well, unfortunately, it's still in pieces, and uh, that project is kind to come to a halt, but I hope in the months and years to come that uh, they are able to they are. They've had... uh, a little bit of turmoil over there in the building. I, I'm not sure if that's a proper phrasing, but uh, we've had organizations that have left the building. And uh, uh, but is uh, the uh, Temple Foundation president now is working very hard and getting things turned back around there, and right. uh, I, I I think they're on a good path again. Uh, finances are always an issue. There's nothing in that building that can be done uh, cheaply. Right. Everything costs fortune, and so uh, there's a lot of work yet to be done. But uh, I'm very, very proud of the work that we were able to do when, when was there.
0: I'm pretty sure I ran into, or bumped into you. I shouldn't say if I ran into you, you wouldn't be standing. You know, I'm a, I'm like a bulldozer. But I'm pretty sure I kind of bumped into you at Founder's Day this year. I just didn't know you at the time, didn't recognize you, so. I'm pretty sure I remember seeing you at Founders Day.
2: Well, you wouldn't have seen me in the uh, cathedral. I was across the street in the uh, uh, Indiana uh, Masonic Library and Museum.
0: Would we have seen I, him uh, at, for uh, Tyler Whitaker's presentation? I'm. Were you Were you there to watch Whitaker do his uh, his stone presentation? I was not, and I'm
2: mm. sad that I missed that. And uh, it looks like he's uh, he's doing some uh, repeats of that around mm-hmm. the state, and I hope to catch up. And uh, and see him do that soon. That's uh, it's a good from what I experience. understood. Uh, it was amazing to see. Mm-hmm. We
0: brought a piece of stone back and put it in our display case here in our lodge building. We gave a we we gave a presentation about it yep. for our February stated meeting, didn't we?
1: Yeah, it was it was an impressive uh, presentation, at least. But no, uh, yeah. that that day of Saturday, Jim, you were uh, you were playing a character during the uh, the uh, Harry Truman skit. Uh, were you Dwight Smith for that one?
0: I was. That's D- what I thought. Okay. Yeah,
1: I, th- I thought that was you. If because I you
0: said something about that when, when I said, okay, we've got Dillman locked in for the show, and you had said something about he did one of the characters for the presentation. Yeah. I said, he did not. You said, yeah, he did. I was in there watching. It, you were outside. I, I left halfway through because <laughs> I had to go potty, and then I wasn't going to fight to see humanity back in. So. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, that,
2: was, uh, that was a great experience, and I uh, had an opportunity to meet some with Daniel, uh, Brother Truman's uh, grandson, and he's a, he's a charming guy, very bright, and yeah. uh, I really enjoyed meeting him. Of course, he did a great job. Um, he takes his show on the road and actually took it to the uh, 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 Scottish Rite Cathedral here uh, back in July, I believe, yeah. uh, his presentation called Give Him Hell, Hurry. And uh, he's done that all over the country. Yeah.
0: That was such an that
1: awesome was, thing. I made, I made sure to put it on our uh, Facebook page. I went I back on
0: YouTube and watched that a dozen times. Right. That is fan, That was so fantastic. Yeah, that's the that good was, thing
1: about, about that. Founders Day, you always see stuff like that. It's always awesome.
2: Yeah, that was actually written by uh, Paul Page, who uh, you might know as the uh, former voice of the Indianapolis 500, I'm I'm sure if you guys have been to Grand Lodge, run across Paul. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. I've met Paul
1: several times, yeah.
2: And uh, he, he and Truman wrote that uh, with the intention of becoming a Scottish Rite degree. Uh, that has not happened yet. Uh, um, I don't know if, if it will, but uh, that that was the intent for that to uh, to become a degree in a Scottish <laughs> Rite. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. You never know. For, for writing that.
1: Well, bro, Jim. Let me ask you this. this: is a question, I always like to ask guys who I went. Mean, oh, I went through Scottish Rite back in oh three, oh four, something like that. I can't I never really got active in it. But what is what was your favorite Scottish Rite degree that you've seen?
2: Well, probably in the fourteenth degree because it's the uh, it's the lodge of Perfection's signature degree. Of course, I'm a lodge of right. Perfection. Uh, uh, 2015, 2016 in the twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen, and the master. And so I was able to degree uh, a few times and uh, something that I really, really enjoy it was so uh, meaningful because uh, when I took my degree in Fort Wayne, I was uh, honored to be the exemplar for the uh, 14th degree in Fort Wayne. So uh, that degree means a lot to me as okay. a special power. All right,
1: awesome. Um, man, I got so many questions. wanna Fire them off. Uh, what lodge you, you belong to? A lodge, you still belong to Royal City or do you belong to Lodge in Indianapolis?
2: Well, I did. Uh, I actually affiliated with uh, uh, Logan Lodge uh, 575 uh, back in 2004. Okay. And actually, uh, I belonged there for like four or five years. And I uh, served as master there in 2005. And then uh, in two thousand. I believe I lose time, uh, I curled in with the uh, Lodge of I back to three lodges at one time and uh, I served a Master of uh, Lodge Petruvian in 2010 which another great honor, another great privilege that I've uh, been fortunate to be a part of. That was a uh, very unique and enjoyable experience that I, uh, my, uh, my time as, as Master there.
1: Well, let's talk about Vitruvian a little bit. I mean, I remember back when it was first getting started when I was going through the chairs and everything, and uh, I knew some of the guys who uh, were, I don't know if they were charter members, but I know they were early members. What what, uh, what can you say about, uh, what can you explain to our our listeners out there about Lodge Vitruvian, like how it came up and uh, how it developed and the ritual and everything, and some of the stuff you guys do is a little bit different from every other normal blue lodge in the state?
2: Well, Lodge Vitruvian was the brainchild of... Uh, Brother named Jeff Naylor, who's not very active in the fraternity right now, but at that time he was. And the whole idea behind us a European concept. And so uh, the uh, we have a little bit of different way of operating than your typical Blue Lodge. They only meet four times a year, uh, they have a quick business meeting. And adjourn to a restaurant for a festive board where there's always a guest speaker. Uh, we have a nice meal we're dressed in tuxedos. Everything's pretty formal. And uh, it's just uh, most of the members are a plural, although they have uh, initiated a few and 30 plural members. And it's it's just a, uh, it's something everyone ought to visit if you haven't had the opportunity. Just a, uh, a really great experience for somebody who's never seen anything like that. The dues are high um, because uh, we spend a lot of money bringing in speakers. Uh, the biggest names in Masonry, anybody you can imagine, we've probably flown in there at one point or another and uh, oh, wow. at, for our to uh, speak at our festival board. So that always costs a lot of money. and, and uh, So the dues are, I think, mean, I think
0: they're 250 a year. I don't believe uh, they have uh, raised them. But... I'm
1: fascinated by this. Yeah, Vitruvian's a very, very neat lodge. I remember uh, Keith Steiner was a, a friend of mine from uh, Quincy Lodge over in Elwood. It was like 15 minutes from Tipton. And he was, uh, he was a member of Vitruvian and was always talking highly about it. And he always wanted me to come down, but they met the same night as my grotto met every, every quarter. And I could never make it down there for that. I always yeah. wish I had. <laughs>
2: I'd encourage both
0: of you guys to make a trip up here and uh, and visit them sometime be going I always see that on uh Michael Pettigrew's email every once in a while, something about Lodge of a True. And I'm always like, what is that? Like yeah. I've heard that so much, but I have no idea what it was. Lodge of a true man. What well, what
1: always struck me fascinating uh, fascinated about this is but if uh you miss a meeting, you're suspended or something like that. If you have to you have to make if you're not you can't make the meeting have to contact the secretary and give them the reason why you're not going to be there and yeah, i always found that fascinating <laughs>
0: <laughs> really
2: yeah i don't think anybody has been suspended um but they do like you to attend regularly and uh, they do ask that if you can attend the meeting that you uh, send regrets to the secretary uh, and this is this is common in a european lot they've tried to uh, stick very close to the european concept and so uh, if you're not going to be there um I ask you to send regrets.
1: Which, if we did our blue lodges, would be the phone's not never stop ringing. <laughs> well, but the truth, it always fascinated is me.
2: It uh, is a a relatively small lodge. Um, I believe they have a capacity of like 36. Um, yeah. And, and once, they, once they filled up, um, they were going to split off and form another lodge uh, just like it, and that's to happen. But uh, that might happen one of these days.
1: Well, isn't Crown Martyr up in Valparaiso about the same
0: thing as that, or?
2: Yes. Yeah. Modeled very much after Vitruvian. Look but at they, you, you uh, northern
0: are... Hoosiers, both of you, and I'm sitting here like a southern Hoosier, and I'm like, I have no idea what they're talking about
2: cloud Carter is a little different type lodge uh, than uh, patritruan because it it's a, uh, I i think they use the term traditional observance oh, okay uh, they smile have uh, moment smile it's it's not a completely different concept but they uh, they dress duck they have a, a festive board um, but it's uh, not not exactly like the true, a little different, but very, very much along the same vein.
1: I think I think bridegroom has something to do with that up there. there. Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah. You uh, know, well, isn't Pintelia Lodge and the Grand Lodge building? I believe they're a traditional observance lodge, if I'm not mistaken.
0: <laughs> That's well, the now, third one they, though.
2: They have traditional observance practices. I'm not sure that I would uh, uh, think they're a traditional observance lodge. Okay. In in the way that Crown Martyrs is, but they certainly have uh, they do some things with the lighting and degree uh, work and so forth. That uh, um, yeah, somewhat they 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 have some practices that are certainly you would see in a, in a traditional observance lodge.
1: Well, uh, continue on this, uh, the special lodges like this. Do you think you guys uh, guys get more out of it then than they do at their Blue Lodge? You guys who you want to join something like that, or is it? normally guys who are really into masonry, they want to be part of something like that. I mean, a normal, everyday mason, would he, get, big, would he get more out of it, in a way?
2: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in specialty lodges, special purpose lodges. Uh, back in the day, uh, Pentalfa Lodge was largely a meat cutter lodge. Really? Uh, yeah, guys that were associated with the uh, cutting business.
1: Really? Uh, I have heard that.
2: You know, but, there were there were other lodges uh, in the Grand Lodge building there in Indianapolis that uh, um, some of them catered to businessmen. Um, you know, various uh, uh, Logan Lodges that I belonged to was uh, very much a German Lodge. Hmm. Uh, so, I, I believe and I believe very much in, in the specialty lodges. I like the idea of a small lodge. You can get to know thirty guys, but it's hard to get to know one hundred fifty. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um,
2: you no, know, i I'm very much in that and uh I hope we continue to see more of that.
1: Yeah, I think it brings guys if you had to I'm not saying you had a had to limit on membership, but if uh you know, if you had to be here or, you know, have a re have to call for a reason or if, like you say you send regrets that so you can't make the meeting, I think it'd make guys more apt to show up, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I, I can't remember if it was Mystic uh, Thai or uh, Center Lodge. They in the Grand Lodge building, but uh, at one point, they had 1,200 members.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, well, I was talking to a guy at, um, at the uh, Dwight L. Smith Lodge Research. Um, I won't say his name was Cramper or Kemp.
0: We both yeah, left yeah. the petitions that day. I'm I thinking about film one out. I but love that building. He
1: said uh, at one point, Pentuff had over 3,000 at one point. That's crazy.
0: Yeah that, yeah,
2: that
1: could be. But, and you got to think, there was, what, seven Lodges, Blue Lodges, met in the Grand Lodge building at one point, I believe. Uh, eight,
2: I believe there were nine, actually. At okay.
1: The wow, that's crazy. <laughs> but nine Lodges met in that building. So, yeah, you'd think probably each one of them had a certain area where they were getting their members, because, you know, everybody knows somebody, and if you, yeah. work, you work in the same industry, I mean, wasn't there a, a doctor's lodge in the Grand Building at one time, where both of them were doctors, or Something uh, like that.
2: I never heard that, but I'm not saying that, it, that there that there wasn't. Maybe I'm it
1: wasn't was Grand Lodge. Maybe it was somewhere in Indianapolis I heard it, where it was mostly doctors that worked at one of the hospitals, uh, started a small lodge or something like that. I don't, I'm sorry, not really a, that deep of a historian, but I remember someone telling me that it was, one of them was mostly doctors, and they, it was hard for them all to all meet together because they're all working odd hours back in the day. But
2: oh, it's, uh, it's a possibility that there was. Huh? Wouldn't, uh certainly can't say
1: that there wasn't. <laughs> Jared's over here going, what are you guys talking about?
0: I'm just amazed at the numbers <laughs> and, and everything you guys are yeah, throwing out there. It's you, crazy. You look back
1: then, you have 3,000 members, but how many of those members were actually coming to the to the lodge? I mean, you might have 100 members back in the day, because back in the 30s and 40s, because there really wasn't nothing else going on. But Right. Nowadays you got them big lodge rooms
2: and you got seven guys in them. Sometimes, yeah, they're uh, certainly not filling the place up like they did back in the day,
0: brother Jim. Um, you know, I, I like to talk a lot of ritual, and uh, generally, I typically like to ask people throughout the years. And and this is this is focused on Blue Lodge, but I mean, you know, if you if you want to throw in the appendant bodies as well, you can, but. What's some of your favorite parts of ritual that you've that you've done over the years, or that you just like to sit back and watch? Like, what's some of your favorite part? Because I'm always down for good ritual talk.
2: Well, it, interestingly enough, as I told you guys earlier, I've been blessed with a very good memory, able we'll to learn things fast. So I I think uh, within about a year, certainly within eighteen months, I had the the entire ritual uh, in all three degrees memorized, all the lectures. The only thing that at that point that I had not done was the uh, middle chamber lecture. And I finally sat down and learned that probably uh, maybe my second or third year. Uh, So I like doing all of it. I enjoy working in lodge uh, and I was uh, I did a lot of traveling. I got asked to do a lot of ritual work. My my one favorite thing to do is probably the uh, second section. Uh, the master mason degree presiding over that doing the king solomon part the most that's,
0: beautiful part of all of our craft lodge is the second half of the master mason degree
2: yeah that's something that i really enjoy doing but i i enjoy presiding over all three degrees i, I really do and uh, uh of course you know the senior deacon has uh, has an interesting part in all three degrees as well mm-hmm. so that's something that i like uh, It's it's hard to pinpoint just one but if i had to I'd say the uh, King Solomon Roll was my favorite.
0: The uh, the stair lecture, the hardest piece of ritual, and I will I will die on this hill. The hardest piece of ritual in blue craft masonry. I think it's second. No, yeah. nothing, nothing tops that. Like I got the funeral, first page. The funeral lecture. The funeral. Okay, fine. <laughs> I mean, I got the first page and a half of it down, and then. I just – I couldn't anymore. Life happens. And life happens. <laughs> now, I mean, I could probably do – and, again, as I, as I mentioned, this is in no way a slight against any brothers that do the short-form version. Mm. I could probably learn that. But maybe it was because <laughs> the way I learned the ritual, you know, studying with my grandpa oh, yeah. who always wanted to do everything the right way versus studying with dad who was just kind of like, ah, skip it. Uh if I'm gonna do the Middle Chamber lecture, if I'm gonna see the Middle Chamber lecture, I want the Middle Chamber lecture. I don't want the short form version of it. And
2: well, I, you're talking to somebody that's not a fan of the. Uh, uh, no, uh, I'm not either, but you know that that's a result of people' uh, short attention spans these days uh, to sit down and listen to something that takes uh, 20, 45 minutes. Really, really strains. Um, a lot of people, for some reason or other, even though that uh, lecture is full of kind uh, of information and a base for all kinds of study. Uh, but uh, you know, they do
0: what they do and uh, that's kind of a sign of the times. It's been a minute since I've actually seen the short firm version given. I, I bet you I haven't seen the short form in probably a year and a half now. It's been a minute.
1: Uh, last time I saw it was at uh National Lodge in Center, Indiana. It was uh a guy did it just so everybody could see it done and
0: to me you miss all the Oh, a hundred percent. Like surf, they say they say that you, you get what you need out of it and to be determined, but I think you miss a lot of stuff. You know, I don't
2: agree. Well, I don't like it. will any argument for me on that. I think I've only seen it done maybe twice, mm. and that's two more times than I wish I'd seen it. To be honest,
0: <laughs> that's the best <laughs> quote ever. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh. But I, I agree. I agree with you, brother Jim. Like, I don't. When I travel. I don't, and this has been something that's, with the exception of the Master Mason degree, and as I said, Todd gets on me about this, I don't, I'm lazy when it comes to that degree because it's, the whole thing is so beautiful. I just like to sit and watch it. I don't want to participate in that degree at all. But when I travel, unless it's the Master Mason degree, I don't travel to go see degrees. I travel to go work in degrees. Like, well, that was always
2: my philosophy, too. That's yeah. probably one my- the short form but a couple of times because typically if i'm sitting in a fellow craft degree i'm there to deliver the middle chamber yeah so uh, you know I, I like to have something to do i like to go to uh to degree work and have a job yeah
0: i like doing the crossfire or i i don't know i hate calling it crossfire i get that from you i like I like, I like doing the questions and answers the memory lecture uh, I like, I've, I've never done it in 15 years, I guess, cause I get a little nervous standing up in front of people, but I mean, I'm on the radio in front of 70,000 people a day now, so I shouldn't get nervous, but I've really been wanting to give the entered apprentice charge. So I'm going to start working on, you know, getting ready to give that and, uh, the working tools. I would, I would always love to do the working tool lectures because honestly, that's probably one of my favorite parts about each degree is the connection back to. You know the ancient craft. The ancient craft. So, so yeah. given the given the work or the working tools lectures is something that I get excited about.
2: Yeah, my apron lecture. That's my favorite one. Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoy that too. And uh, and the uh, the editor for this charge is a beautiful piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of instruction in that charge, uh, and uh, you know, meaningful. And I hope people, when they hear it, take it to heart. Oh yes.
1: You know, everything, everything in that charge is about what you need to be a Mason.
0: Oh, yeah. It's, it's universal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly.
1: Now, Brother Jim, um, going back to uh, your Blue Lodge experience and everything, you know,
0: what? what? I hit the wrong. <laughs> what was that, man? I, just, what I, the heck? I hit the wrong button. I was gonna, I was gonna mute the mic so I could pour myself a drink here. Like Not alcohol. Stubborn. Not alcohol. But no, I called not- not- <laughs> laundry. But I hit. What did I? Oh, I you
1: hit the horn. I hit the
0: trombone. My bad. Continue. I just totally killed your guys' train of thought. No <laughs> okay. Here we got my mic muted. Uh, now we're good, brother Jim. As far as uh,
1: you know, people you've met, I know you're uh, real good friends with Chris Hodap and everything. And you guys work tirelessly. On the uh, Masonic uh, Temple board and everything, but uh, who who are some of the other you know people you've met throughout the years who, you know who most Masons out there would know who are you know like similar or more well-known Masons as far as the education like uh, you know uh, I can't think of Morris's first name right now.
0: Brent Morris. Brent Morris. Okay. Yeah.
1: Like who are some of the other guys you've met along their path who have kind of made your life a little bit better hey, for knowing yeah,
0: them? Jared's sitting off microphone right now.
2: Let let me get let me give you a little background to this before I go into it. Right. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Masonic Society at all.
1: Uh, I know who they are. Yeah, I just I'm not. I don't know anything really about well, them.
2: When the Masonic Society was formed, I was a member of the board of directors, and of course, our big meeting every year is out of York Right Week. Right, and uh, and during that week or those three or four days, uh, we hosted a hospitality room. And so I I ran the hospitality room for, I believe, nine years. Oh, wow. And uh, because I was pouring a lot of free, expensive booze, uh, <laughs> we, got a lot of, we got a lot of visitors.
1: Oh, yeah. And
2: so oh, I've gotten to know, um, not because of uh, uh, my uh, great personality or that I have any great knowledge, but just as a due to the fact that I've been pouring expensive booth for guys for a lot of years I got to know Brent Morris has become a very close friend uh, Brent has a family here in uh, uh, Brownsburg outside oh, of Indianapolis and so he's here a couple of times a year and we always have lunch there's a group of us that get together and have lunch. Uh, Bob Davis uh, Andrew Hammer yeah. Artie Hoyos uh, you know I, I hate to drop names um, I, I was able to sit for two hours one night and, uh, talk with the, uh, past grand secretary of the United grand lodge of England. Oh, that's uh, fascinating right there. Over Masonic week. And, uh, he probably got tired of me, but, uh, he was willing to talk as long as I was pouring the scotch. So, uh, we had a, we had a nice long visit and uh, very, very interesting guy. So I've been very, very fortunate to, uh, to meet so many people, um, uh, part of it also is due to my uh, association with Chris. We've been we've been great friends for many many years and, and Roger as well. Right. So I've got to know a lot of these guys through them. So um, yeah, I I've, I've, I've been very very fortunate to know a lot of these guys who are who are authors and, and researchers and it's uh, it's just really added to the depth of my experience as a base.
1: Now bringing up the Masonic Society, um, I I remember that was getting started up. I was uh, a couple guys from my lodge were trying to become the uh, some of the charter members of that. Uh, I don't I it had been so long ago, but that was basically the Masonic uh, Journal, wasn't it? Or don't yeah, you guys? The journal, it's a, you guys produce a, a research book every every quarter or something.
2: Yeah, the Masonic Society is a Masonic research organization. And uh, we put out a journal four times a year. Um, the first editor was Chris Hodap. Yep. Um, the second editor was uh, Michael Halloran. If you've read the book, The Better Angels of Our Nature, which is uh, about Freemasonry in the Civil War, Michael is the author. Of that, and He did an excellent job for us for a couple of years as editor. Um, Mike Pohl, who is a uh, an absolute, he just uh, to Scottish Right. There's nobody alive that knows more about the Scottish Rite. And Mike Pohl has been the latest editor, and he has recently stepped aside, so they're looking for a new editor for the journal right now. But, okay. uh, we're really proud of the publication that uh, gets a lot of attention. At one point or another, we had uh, 14, 1,400 members. Okay. Uh, COVID put a real dent in our membership, and we're kind of uh, – in a reorganization uh, stage right now, but I'm hoping that uh, we'll come back better than ever.
1: Yeah. I've tried to do the research papers and research in stuff. And I'm just not much of an academic guy. I can't, I can't keep a train of thought going long enough and I can't cover that much. I mean, I can write stuff down and give you a paragraph on something, but for some reason, the more I research, the more I get stuff messed up and clustered in my brain. And I could not put down pen on paper or or letters on a computer i have tried to do the research stuff and I'm, it's just not in me to do that so i figured i'll just be a ritualist and uh uh work at the flansbury ph- bread masonry and i'll be you, good enough <laughs> why
0: don't you tell them about your research on uh your point within
1: a circle <laughs> well i mean like you know, like jared said off mic there i did i've been going through oh, and yeah. uh kind of finding the history hey this is better now <laughs> finding the uh where the point in the circle came from and everything and what it really meant and and i've gotten to some good points onto it but i just i can't seem to put down it on paper how i want to do it and
2: well, I mean, there's an act to writing. Uh, I've uh, I've written a lot um, in the journal and in the answer. Uh, but I've never done a full-fledged research paper. That takes a lot of work, a lot of research. And then you have the footnoting, and uh, everything has to be formatted. Oh, yeah. So, uh, my, my writing has mostly been uh, commentary or... Or just reporting uh, you know I've, I've never done a full-fledged research paper either i don't know that i ever will
1: <laughs> you think well, i'm not i'm not a college I never went. To, i will be able to technical school with Lingatech in Indianapolis and everything but i never was a
0: you're a diesel mechanic
1: yeah i'm not, I'm not really an academic kind of person i'm just a blue collar guy, guy but you know i, I like reading those stu- those things and everything and i'm amazed at those guys who can sit down and like you said, do the format, you know, do the footnotes, and the book, and the bookmarks, and everything into it, and everything. And but I just, I, I, I it's my is too bad. I just cannot sit down and and write a, a full form research paper. And I, it amazes me how people can, you know. What so excited I enjoyed reading that journal tremendously because you know, it gave me a lot of information, made me think a lot more about masonry, and go more into the actual meaning behind some of the stuff we do and everything and you know maybe a better Mason reading I know that but I tried it and it's like yeah, I just cannot keep focused long enough to do this
2: <laughs> no, I, I think you're very much like me I'm a, I'm a consumer of uh, Masonic research but I'm oh. not a researcher in
1: right. any sense of the now I'd love to give educational things in my lodge you know, I try to do all the education we can here but you know at the same time it's like okay how long is this going to go and so I just give little short blurbs and little facts and stuff like that. And kind of makes everybody, Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: That's, that's interesting. <laughs> well, I, I think these little 10 minute, 10, 15 minute presentations, uh, are great because people, you can keep people's attention. Um, you get into these long presentations sometime and, uh, pretty soon you're starting to see people yawn and, uh, they're wanting to head for the parking lot. So, uh, I think there's a lot to be said for these, uh, 10 15 20 minute presentations where you can uh explore something uh without going too far down a rabbit hole but still do something meaningful
0: the rabbit hole will always get you oh
1: yeah oh yeah um oh i'm getting a really bad headache right now for some reason
0: (laughs) it's because you're talking to me brother jim you know one of the things I've always brought up to, to once we start interviewing a bunch of the guys that, that come from up around the Indianapolis area where they're at, I guess, you know, with, with how big of a populated area that is, you can, you can be out there doing something involving Freemasonry five, six nights a week, can you not?
2: Well, for 16 years, I was busy probably four or five days a week. Uh,
0: That's just crazy to me because, like, I, that, I, that just seems like I would love doing that. Because where I'm you know, at with this I'm now. At,
2: I, I look back. If, if you follow my Facebook page, I uh, I uh, shared a memory from back, I think, in 2011. And I was in the process of, uh, I had like four degree referrals coming up and, and uh, that I was going to go do work in. And I was doing something at the temple. And, and I mean, I was just busy all the time. Uh, but I look back on it, and it was really the best time of my life. Uh, because it's not so much, you know, I, I love the work, but I like to work with my brothers. And, uh, and I still do. And uh, I've slowed down a little bit in my old age. But uh, I still enjoy being with my friends and brothers. And uh, that will never
0: stop. It's the fellowship of it all. That's the most beautiful part of everything. It's the fellowship at it all. It's good for your soul. It's good for its good for everything. It's like it, it is... You know, I've told people before who ask me, you know, what is Freemasonry? And, you know, you always try to give these these great answers and you always try to give, you know, or I should say some people always try to give these great answers or some people will quote directly from the monitor. Like, you know, Todd sometimes will go, well, it's a course in, you know, moral allegories. I just simply say it's something that improves your relationship with yourself, with mankind, with God, it makes you better, and it's about being around people that are good for your soul. And some people look at me like they don't believe me, and other people look at me like, okay, that works. I'll take that answer.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with you 100% on that, because that's very much the the way I feel about it. Um, You know, I look forward to some of the people, uh, when I go to something, for example, uh, um, I went to a Rosicrucian meeting the other, a couple weeks ago, and saw a bunch of brothers there that I had not seen in quite a while, and uh, it's nice to catch up with folks learn what's going on in their lives and, uh, you know, chat about different things. I still take a, you know tremendous amount of time. Uh, although I'm not, not as active as far as doing rituals and stuff as, as I once was, it's still very much, uh, I identify very much and uh, that's never going to change.
0: Right. You know, um, I want to talk about the weekend in Louisville again. I want to kind of circle back to that because, you know, people become, you know, Scottish Rite Masons. And they, they you know, eventually they pretty much, unless something happens, they all become 32nd degree Masons. But not very many of them get to become a 33rd degree Mason, so I know we touched on that at the beginning of the episode, but I'd like to circle back that because that is such an outstanding thing that is such a great accomplishment for you. That's a great accomplishment for any Mason. And I wondered if you could elaborate on that just a little more, more so about the fact of, you know, what does that mean when you become a 33rd degree Mason and how how does the process of that happen? How does How is somebody selected to receive that?
2: Well, you get uh, you get nominated. Um, by the actors, and uh, there are, uh, uh, I don't know how many actors there are, uh, the Northern Masonic jurisdiction is 15 states, and there are so many active members that actually run, uh, you know, that are the policy makers for the Scottish Rite. You get nominated for it, An honorary degree uh, that they award for service to masonry, for service to the uh, community the thing i want to stress it has nothing to do with rank right right you guys the two of you are the same rank as i am or master masons that's the highest rank freemason that's right and you know, the 33rd degree is a wonderful honor so there are guys out there just as hard as I did Uh, Every day of the week, working in the shadow, I had some opportunities that were extended to me uh, that not, you know, because of people that I knew, to be honest, uh, opportunities that were extended to me that I took advantage of, and uh, when I was given a job, I tried to do it, and, you know, that's kind of how it happens.
0: Okay. I can take that.
2: No, I was always told to get
1: third, third degree. You had to eat sawdust and, and poop two by fours. Oh God,
0: <laughs> look at you!
1: So it was that hard to get it. So, <laughs> some old guys I was there told me one time. <laughs> but um, so <laughs> I think it's fascinating because if you ever, uh, I'm on TikTok quite a bit, talking to other guys about Freemasonry, and we'll be on a thing called TikTok Live, where basically I'm talking to guys all across the world about Freemasonry. And you get people to pop into the chats all the time saying, well, 33rd degree means you get all this power and uh, you get all this money and power and everything. And it's like, hey, okay, I'm going to stop you right nuts. there.
0: I'm going to stop, <laughs> stop you right there before Brother Jim even answers. I want to throw this out here to anybody listening. If Masons get rich, where is my money? Yeah, no where is it at? <laughs> Why am I living paycheck to paycheck? Where is it at? Exactly. I, I,
2: I would like Know where my fortune and uh, you know my uh my uh um, is you know what what part of the world I supposedly control because
1: uh you yeah, know okay. nobody. <laughs> yeah, it it's always it just my mind. These people think that being a third degree Mason makes you a high ranking Mason. And it, it yeah, you have the title of third. It's, it's, it's,
0: it's an awesome. It's an it's an awesome honor. No, you know?
1: it's just an honor degree that they give you for somebody who's done a lot of work throughout the throughout the craft. <laughs> It, yeah no one ever believes you it's like oh you don't know what you're talking about okay thanks
2: <laughs> oh yeah there there are definitely people out there that you know that don't know anything about the fraternity that but you know the degrees of are all involved in uh, some kind of conspiracy oh, yeah. uh, not you know there's all kinds of theories out there but
0: uh, yeah we know everything <laughs> we know exactly yep. where hoff is at yep we know what really happened to John Wilkes Booth. He yeah. didn't He didn't really die in that barn in, you know, Maryland. Yeah, yeah. Virginia, whatever. Yeah, we know all the answers, yeah, everything. We're,
2: we're, just ask us, we know it all. Yeah. Well, I've, I've only been a 33rd degree mason for a couple of months, so uh, uh, maybe my time is coming, but as of yet –
1: Nobody told me anything. I didn't already you
2: know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's the best answer ever. It, it, it
1: just baffles me the people that come up with stuff like, yeah, well, yeah, you know, my grandpa, he was a ninety-nine degree mason.
0: Like, really?
1: That's amazing. I don't I've never been a ninety-nine, a 99
0: degree, degree mason.
1: <laughs> oh, one guy came on Wow. Spout, oh, it's, it, Well, yeah, my he was a Luciferian. And he joined a special order. like, oh, okay. Here we go. Like, <laughs> hey, come on, people, really. But um it's a tingle that I I'm going. People are idiots, man. I am so. Like Mike, I'm starting to get a headache. I'm starting to think other things now. Uh, Jim, what, what's one thing in, uh, you've seen over the years that how, how Freemasonry has changed?
0: Social media. <laughs> <Don't have laughs> Sorry. Question for Sorry, me. yeah. It's changed. I mean, answer. as far
1: as how the craft works day to day and how the lodges uh, work, stuff like that, I mean, what's something that you've seen change that the. The 27 odd years been um, being
2: large. I'll be very honest, it's it's very much the same fraternity as it was when I joined it. Um, mm-hmm. Things are very, very slow to change in this fraternity. Uh, people get cut in their ways, and uh, um, I guess one of the things that I saw was one day classes. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs>
1: What, Jared? What's wrong? Mm-hmm.
0: It's just that Jim brought up one-day classes, and we every, – every, hey, every Mason, whether it's their pro or anti, everybody has an opinion on one-day classes. I don't want to say this too loud where Brimley can hear it. <laughs> hey, <it's
1: a> <laughs> edit. <laughs> well, we'll edit
2: that out. I'll cut that out. I'll mark tape. Don't but, worry.
1: Uh, one-day – what is your opinion on one-day classes there, Jim?
2: Well, uh, you know, I've come around. When I first heard, when they first came on the scene, Gail Kemp, or or maybe Bill Blasting Game, I think held the first one-day class, Mm -hmm. and then furthered by Gail Kemp during his year as Grand Master. Mm -hmm. But I was a guy that, uh, you know, early on in my Masonic career, thought that uh, that the ritual and the beginning and end of Freemasonry, and I've come to learn that's not true. Um, you know, Freemasonry. I love the rituals, uh, I love the degrees. Uh, but that is one part of this fraternity. And uh, let's, you know, let's not pretend uh, that these are necessarily a new thing. Back in the war, in World War II, when guys were going off to World uh, to War II, they were getting uh, their three degrees in a period of uh, a couple of weeks. Um, so I'm not sure that there's a, a big difference between somebody getting their, uh, their three degrees in two weeks versus uh, one day. Yeah, I and, see that. I uh, see that. The, the, the research shows that uh, the one-day masons are just as likely to be active and to take a part in fraternity as people who are raised in the traditional manner. Right. Um, I don't know of any better uh, example of a, a uh, one-day mason then Chris Odepp. Um he went through yeah. a one-day class, Took his
1: degrees. Yeah, he did a fellow so, craft and uh, master mason one-day class, didn't he? I'm sorry? I think he did his fellow craft and master mason one-day degree. Yeah. February, yeah.
2: Yeah, they had, at, at that point when he got his, everybody had already had the entered apprentice degree, and they brought him in for the, uh, for the last two. Okay, yeah. But, so, yeah, I... I I've changed the way I feel about them, uh, as opposed to the way I've, I first thought. I think I've come around. I've evolved a little bit, and, and uh, you know there are still people that are ardently against it, and uh, you can make an argument for for both for both sides. Oh yeah, yeah, I believe that too.
1: I mean, I, I see they have their place for certain people who want to be a member of the of the craft and everything who just do not actually have the time right now to join, and. You know, but I see the same the old guy, too. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big, real I think everybody, everybody needs to learn the catechism and everything, but at the same time, you look back in the, like you say, we're in the 40s and the during World War II area. Those guys weren't getting all the education they should have got. I mean, they were getting, you know, three degrees and overseas, you
2: know. You know, what, you asked me a lot, you asked me earlier about, you know, what I've seen change within the fraternity, and, you know, my answer was, I haven't seen that much change, but what has changed is the society that we live in. Well, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. You know, we, uh, we have so many opportunities for entertainment uh, and socialization uh, that guys back in the 50s and even the 60s and 70s to some degree did not have. There were no computer games. Um, yeah, there was television. But, uh, you know, most of your... Uh, entertainment was uh unless you were going to a show or something like that you created your own entertainment right yeah right. had company over or maybe you off the eat or something but uh um you know lodge night was a night to get out of the house be with some friends and do something special uh not so much anymore unfortunately
1: i think guys uh, they don't see this special anymore going to lodge um I have over the years where it's always been a, a kind of a big night for me to go to Lodge and everything. But I think a lot of people just go because, well, it's something I have to do because I'm, I'm a member there. I'm an officer or whatever. They don't see it as, hey, I, they don't get excited. Hey, Lodge tonight. We're going to do this. We're going to have this. And, you know, hopefully we have a good speaker or a good education or we have just a, a, a fun night. But now I just want to come in, get it done, and go home. Where I'm more the guy, I want to get here and hang out for a while and have a good meal.
0: And- <laughs> we were just talking about this in the last episode, and I, I made the joke that the people that gripe the most, wanting to get out of here during a state of meeting, is the older generation who are <laughs> retired. It's yeah, like don't they don't. It's know. like they don't even have to go to work in the morning. They just want to go home. And I just, I, I laugh. I, I like the joke. I like to kid around. I'm not throwing darts at anybody it's just funny it's like Like, you guys are the ones that don't have to get up in the morning and go to work like what are you complaining about wanting to get out of here so early for
2: Uh, you know i've tried never to complain my my philosophy about freemasonry has has always been i don't have to do this i get to do this i was afforded the opportunity to be to to become a freemason i get to this it's an honor it's a privilege Mm -hmm. and that i feel you know very, very fortunate to be a part of. I don't. I don't see it as drudgery or something that I have to do. I'm there by choice.
0: Hundred percent.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. One hundred percent on that one. But you know, I, I mean, like our lodge, we don't have a meal before our state of meeting, which I think is just ridiculous. I mean, you need to come down. And we brains. hey,
0: before you move down here from the north part, the north central part. Excuse oh, yeah. me. Before you move down here, you know, when I was raised. You know, February 29th, 08, for the first year I was in, we we did eat a lot. I'm not saying we ate at every stated meeting, but I bet you at least eight stated meetings a year, we had a meal. Mm-hmm. And then it just got too much where everybody got busy. Nobody had time to cook. And then it's like, okay, well, if, you know, the night before was, you know, may have been the star chapter yeah. meeting. So there'd be leftovers there or somebody would bring in like cold cut sandwiches. But for a long time there, we did eat it. You know, at least half the meetings of the year. All right. Well. And people would come in and play cards before the meeting and fellowship. Right. Now that doesn't. Now we just sit around, and drink coffee, and we talk to each other. Right.
2: Which is still fellowship, really
0: right? So,
2: yeah. To me, to me, the, the sitting down over a meal uh, and visiting with your brothers is every very every much a, a part of Freemasonry. Is what we do in the locked room. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right And connected uh, and I find it just as meaningful a uh, chance to sit down get to know somebody you know sit down by somebody I may not know all that well learn about his life what he does for a living what you know how big' his family uh, you know I enjoy learning about people okay. and, uh, you know you, you can learn something from everybody oh yeah so, uh, I, you know like I say I, I believe it's uh, it's just a Uh, freemasonry is what we do in the lodge
1: room yeah the fellowship is always probably the I think it's what people show up for the fellowship the meeting the meeting I mean you can have as much fun or get done as quickly as you want to the meeting but you know hang around after the meeting and you know do that that, uh, that parking lot freemasonry is always probably the
0: most fun part (laughs) can I I share something with both of you guys (laughs) so so uh, back when I took my inner apprentice degree in October of 07 mm-hmm. and I took my fellow craft January okay. of 08. So back then, you know how kind of we do now where sometimes we want to get more inclusion. So we'll open a stated meeting on Entered apprentice or mm-hmm. fellow craft degree back then. We didn't do that here. No. It was master Mason degree only. Yeah. Okay. So my first stated meeting was the first, Wednesday in March of two thousand eight, like you know, just degree. just a week after my master mason degree, mm-hmm. so I was here. I was here for that, and we had a guest speaker that night. So the guest speaker came in, he gave a, pre- a presentation on the uh, Indiana Masonic Home. Okay, so you know it, it was great. We had a presentation. So I made the mistake of thinking that every meeting I would go to every month would have some sort of, you know. Puzzah at the end of it, a guest speaker, <laughs> so, uh, something about something. Yeah, Boy, was I in for a rude awakening when I sat through meetings in April, May, <laughs> June, and then we're in July and August, we're in the dark. Yeah. It wasn't until September or October of 08 that we had another meeting again with a presentation. Yeah. So I was like, so I was, I was so disappointed in a way because it's like, we're literally just sitting here paying bills and talking about bills. That's what most of it was. Yep. I was like, where's the huspa? where's the guest speaker presentation? They're like, well, that's not an every meeting thing. And I'm like, I, I just remember thinking, I looked at my grandpa, and I'm like, well, this is rather disappointing, isn't
1: it? <laughs> and it, and it is. It was, and he always said the most important uh, meeting for Max Mason is that fourth meeting he goes to. <laughs> three degrees and his next meeting.
0: We had a guest speaker. He did an hour presentation on the Indian Masonic home, and I thought it was fantastic. Right. That was before yep. we even had that TV on the wall back there. Yeah. We were still doing slide projectors on the wall. He gave a slide projector presentation on the Masonic home. Yep. Come back for that meeting in April, my you second state of meeting, nothing. We just talked about bills, and I'm like, this is really boring.
2: <laughs> Unfortunately, in too many lodges, we don't have time for Masonic education because we're busy arguing about whether it's a one- or two-ply toilet paper or a six I love this. This has been a great episode. (laughs) Well,
1: um, you know, since I joined down here, I try to bring Masonic education to every meeting. You and I do that. We try to do Masonic education every every month. A lot of times, I think it kind of falls on deaf ears sometimes.
0: Sometimes we hit a home run. Yeah, sometimes
1: we get a talk, but a lot of times it's, you know, we're talking. Everybody kind of looks at us like, okay, are
2: you done yet? (laughs) Like,
1: yeah, I'll sit down now.
2: No, I, you know, I think every lodge can do a little something. If it's only five or ten minutes, mm-hmm. uh, you can still do something meaningful or um, bring up, you know, raise a topic for discussion in the parking lot or over a cup of coffee. It doesn't have to necessarily be a, a formal presentation, but everybody can do something. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, the, the drudgery that our meetings are, uh, by and large, uh, it uh, is sad because we spend so much time, you know, arguing over chilly stuff uh, instead of practicing Freemasonry. True, yeah,
0: I, I'll give you that, brother Jim. I want to ask you: uh, you got any you got any advice for me? I'm you seen on Facebook that uh, I was elected and I accepted the gavel. I will be installed in January. You got any advice for? A first-time uh, master.
2: Don't be afraid to use your past masters. You know, if you got a question, if you got a past master that you're uh, that you're close with, and I suspect you probably do. Oh,
0: there's several of them here. Uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> before
2: you make a de- before you make a decision, you know, run it past a couple of people, um, and you know, be there when you're supposed to be there. You know fulfill your obligation. And, uh, really it's, uh, you know, it, it becomes something that, uh, you look forward to and enjoy instead of being a job, you know, make it, make it fun.
0: I talked to a, uh, I talked to a Mason over the weekend, a Past master who's uh, very close to me. And, uh, he said, Hey, I heard you're going to take the gavel in January. I said, yeah, I am. He said, congratulations. He said, uh, he said, how many times does this make for you now? I I said, well, this is the first time I said, uh, I said, I, you know, I was working my way through the chairs when I was active the first four or five years. I said, then when I went away for like eight years, I said, now I've been back two years. I spent two years in the South. I said, so unfortunately this will be the first time I said, so I'm coming in with no experience. He goes, well, you got no experience presiding over the lodge. He said, but you've got masonry experience. And, uh, he told me, he said, uh, don't be afraid to disappoint somebody. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, he goes, my recommendation for you, he goes, is anytime there's a vote on anything, he said, don't ever vote. He said, because you're going to have to be the tiebreaker. He said, and there's always going to be something you vote on that's always going to make somebody happy and disappoint somebody. He said, don't be afraid to disappoint somebody if it's for the betterment of the lodge. He said, just keep that in the back of your mind. He said, you can't make every single brother in that room happy.
2: Right, and – uh you know, the, the thing about the voting is that if an issue comes up and it's a tie vote, then the motion doesn't carry. You know, it's that simple. Uh, yeah. But if you vote and uh, you're going to divide your lots, you're going to make half the people mad and half of them happy. So the best thing to do is just let, uh, let that motion die and uh, maybe it'll come around again, uh, you know, down the road.
0: See, that's an interesting topic, too. Uh, to th- I and think about it like that, but the guy's like he goes, you know don't vote. he goes because you'll need to be the tiebreaker at some point but that that's a good point to you made too. I can see it that way as well.
2: Yeah, you might uh, have you you probably haven't had your past master degree yet have? You? No,
0: we're trying to set that up uh, by the time this airs, it'll already happen. but we're trying to set it up for sometime this month, either the Thursday before Thanksgiving or the Thursday after We're going to try to get it done uh, here in the month of November.
2: Well, there's, there's a possibility you might hear something about how to handle a type of... Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: Yep. You might also see the chicken suits. You never know, but
1: just kidding. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, brother jam, as we start to kind of, to segue and wrap this up, uh, unfortunately, I think you'll be a return guest eventually. Cause we've only, just like we talked about with, there's certain guys we talk to we only scratch the surface on, but oh, yeah. the, the most important question, you know, that we ask every episode, and you as a loyal, faithful listener, we appreciate, uh, at the end of the day, we're all going to lay down our working tools. You know, nobody gets out of here alive, right, Todd? That's right. Uh, when, you, when people think of you as a, as a Mason and they look back on your, your journey, what do, you, what do you hope comes to mind when they think about you?
2: I don't really think about that so much, but I guess I I would like to be known as somebody who could be counted on. If you gave me a job to do, I always tried to do it to the best of my ability. And, uh, you know, I was, as I said, I've been very fortunate in the number of opportunities that have been extended to me. And I always tried to do them justice. Uh, um, People that, uh, you know, offered opportunities to me and depended on me to do something. I felt it would, you know, it would dishonor them by, by not doing it properly. So uh, I, I tried my best to work as hard as I could at everything I did.
0: Couldn't have said it better myself. Pretty good. I like it. Uh, Well, Brother Jim, you got anything else you'd like to add?
2: Yeah, there's kind of one thing I had on my mind that I thought I would run by you guys. Yeah. And,
0: uh, Go ahead.
2: Uh, you know, un- unfortunately... Not everybody's experience in lodge is uh, what it ought to be and what, what they would want it to be. Right. Uh, not necessarily getting the masonry that they read about. And so, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about dependent bodies and there are dependent bodies out there, the New York right, the Scottish right, uh, the grotto, uh, different organizations. If you're not having a great experience in your lodge, Um, find your niche elsewhere. There is a niche for every Freemason. There is somewhere where you can fit in and, and do um, things that you want to do and get the kind of uh, experience that you want to get. It may take you a while to find it, but everybody has a niche in this fraternity. And if it's, you know, I wish everybody had a great experience in their lodge, but not everybody does. And so I would, and especially in a rural area like you guys are in a smaller community, I've got 30 lodges in Marion County to choose from. Wow! You guys have to drive a long way uh, to go to another lodge, more likely than not. So, if you were, for example, in a lodge where uh, your experience wasn't what you thought it, you know, could be, find your niche in, in you know, in another organization within Freemasonry. I didn't used to believe that, but I'm a, I'm a, I've I've come around to my way of thinking uh, on that. I used to think that blue lodge was the beginning and end, and uh, if you weren't involved in blue lodge, then you weren't a very good mason. But they're all out there doing great work, uh, who may not get to their lodge as often as they would like or as often as they should. But that doesn't make them a lot a mason.
0: You know, it's it's fascinating to me that you bring that up because. Uh, I'm going to reference something that I brought up several, several episodes back. You know, 15 years ago when I got raised, I remember thinking the first time I went to Grand Lodge in May of 2008, Dwayne Vaught was – that was the year he was going out, right? And that was the year Zarian was coming in. Uh, or maybe, Or maybe <laughs> – yeah, I think that was, yeah, I think Vault was master in 08 and Zarium was coming in for 08-09. Either way, regardless, I remember sitting up there the first time and and I I've, I've showed the the pictures of the Scottish Rite Cathedral to people who aren't Masons and and everyone agrees Mason or not, that's one of the most beautiful buildings in the world. Mm-hmm. And I sit there and I see all this pomp and circumstance of all these guys walking in and all these, you know, different appendant bodies from different states. Everybody gets so you know, together at Indiana Grand Lodge every year. And I remember thinking, I want that. I want to be – I want the purple. So I kind of let you – hang on. You know where this is going. You remember this conversation. So, you know, so then uh, I come back after being away eight years or whatever, these last two years, and it's like, I want that purple. I want that, you know, I want that notoriety. I want to be able to to, to share my masonry experiences, and I believe I can help somebody – da-da-da, whatever. And in the last year, it has changed so much because you talk about finding your niche. And Todd and I did it. We can no longer say we're the only, but we were damn sure the first Masonic podcast in the state of Indiana. And I found my niche. How can I give back? What can I do? I'm never going to see purple. And to tell you the truth, I don't care anymore. I don't want it. What we have here – where we get to have conversations with people like brother Jim and all these great people we've met. And when we got people coming into us, talking to us, when we got a podcast that's doing just as good, if not better numbers than what the Scottish rights podcast is doing, buddy, we're on to something. Mm-hmm. So you talk about finding a niche. This is me. This is what I know what I'm supposed to do. Now I'm supposed to, you know, be an active member in my lodge and my community. I needed a little more light. I'm getting that now with the York Rite, But my niche, my way to give back is this, what we're doing right now.
2: Yeah, that's true. Uh, and as I said earlier, you know, you guys are really commended for that. And, and uh, you know, it's there for everyone. Everybody has a niche somewhere where they fit in and can and can be an asset to the organization. Uh, it Sometimes for some people it takes a while to find it. It might take years. But Bro- when they find it, um, boy, the bell goes off and, uh, they, you know, they know they're at home.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Well, Brother Jim, I can't thank you enough. I was so looking forward to talking to you, and this this delivered. This was fantastic. Uh, if you would, please, introduce yourself and run through your Masonic titles one more time.
2: Oh, boy. Um uh- <laughs> Well, as, as Roger says, uh deuce card and a pen, I'm in. Uh, <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. That's <laughs> it.
0: That is hilarious. I've never heard that before. Um,
2: so, you know, I belong to a lot of stuff. I've, you know, I've had all the titles, it seems like, and uh, I've, I've been very, very fortunate. Um, you know, but. The, I don't like really talking about myself that way. Well, that,
0: I mean, that, just introduce your name, then. You don't have to run through your titles.
2: Yeah, I'm Jim Dillman, uh, Royal Center Lodge 585. I've been a Mason since uh, 2000. And uh, I've really, really enjoyed talking to you guys. And I hope we can do it again.
0: Likewise, we yeah. will definitely do it again, Brother Jim. And uh, we, we thank you so much for your time. And uh, we will talk to you later, Brother.
2: Well, anytime you get stuck, somebody doesn't show up. I'm usually around. Pick up the phone and give me a shout.
0: Absolutely, we'll do will do. We'll do. Okay. All right. See. see bye bye. Take care, guys. Bye bye. Well, that was fun. That was
2: a
1: fascinating. Uh, I for, I forgot all the stuff either I like get involved in. I knew about the uh, the Basan Temple and everything. I had no idea. Yeah, he was. I mean, the Green Lodge back then. I mean, you think it's kind of rough now it was rougher back then I and mean, your plaster falling off the walls and it hadn't been taken care of at all and everything i don't know what the lodges do down there but whatever
0: when we were down there on the ground floor and looking at, we looked at that first auditorium i was yeah. like oh my god they tore that place to yeah, smithereens
1: you still got back wall blown back, because used to be pictures of all the grand masters and everything they took it all down of course remodeled and everything and i guess money ran out or something but i would honest happen
0: i would honest to god never ever steal not just from anybody but especially from the grain lodge building but i've seen a bunch of cool artifacts i'm like you know what <laughs> if we had a podcast studio for this show there's some amazing artifacts oh, yeah. that would look pretty nice decked out in the background
1: well that if uh, you know, you need to go there to see the asylum and everything for the commander and everything like that you got a big giant open floor for marching and uh they also uh, have a uh a, a, a basically an egyptian room for the order of the red cross
0: walk and like they, an egyptian i mean
1: it's they get they got a lot of neat places in there got, well, there's six lodge rooms in there yeah like blue lodge rooms and they have a, a chapter and council room and i mean it's in all of them at one point had a organ you know organs in them and everything it's it's a great building i hope we can save that building and we don't we never have to lose it because it's you know, it's in a perfect spot, it's right there by Sky Shrine. You got the Marat down the corner across down about two or three blocks down the road.
0: Hey, we've made it so far without talking about the shrine at all. Hardly,
1: well, it, was just, it was mentioned the Murat, big deal.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we're done, we're done pretty good. Yeah. Again, people think we crap on the shrine, that's not no, what we we're do. Not members of it. <laughs> we're just not members of it, but, but all yeah. right, let's uh, let's tidy this one up here. We got a you know, two or three more left to do today. Yep. We're gonna take a break. It's uh it's like what, three o'clock? Yeah,
1: three
0: thirty. Oh my god. <clears throat> oh really? Yeah, yeah, okay. So we're good. We're good. <laughs> well well Todd, I gotta go run out to the car and get Todd some Tylenol. So for brother Todd Whaley. For brother Jared Atkins. This has been another episode of Tomp. How, would, other, how would we say that? Because I always put you know I abbreviate Yeah, but would that would that be a would that be Tomp? That other M P Would that be Tom? does sound right. It just doesn't roll off the tongue, does it? Like, I remember I hated. I, like that other I like hated that when you first. I had like a page and a half full of names, and you're like, these were the dumbest names I ever.
1: Never said they were dumb. You're
0: like North of Darkness. I was like, because the Norse always in Dark Bethlehem Boys Z with a Z. Well, I mean, you know, the Hardy Boys were popular, <laughs> and all these other dumb names like uh, the Sword of whatever, like the. I, God, these Hoods were terrible. And, yeah, Hoodwinked and terrible. Cable
1: Toad and oh, all
0: this okay. stuff. You're like, you looked yeah. at me like I was an idiot, and I'm like, no. you're the idiot. Who's going to ever listen to a show called That Other Masonic Podcast? Very, you're three really, for three on everything. I'm very, really wrong. You're three <laughs> for three on the name. You're mm-hmm. three for three on people actually listening. Uh-huh. And then the biggest one that I thought was the dumbest one, Well, we're going to podcast at Founders Day. I'm like, nobody's going to let that happen. Nobody's going to care. Man, we... We were the talk of the floor that day. Dang right. Ah, let's get out of here. His head swells. Hey, stick with me, son. One day you'll be wearing diamonds the
1: big as horse turds.
0: I'm on the radio every day, though. You're not. And? Well, I'm just saying. 70,000 people a day hear my voice.
1: Still have no choice.
0: Wow. <laughs> Yeah, because they're all listening to WITZ. That's what they're doing.
1: Nah, I have no choice if I listen to it at work.
0: Nobody <laughs> listens to wit. Wait, are you listening to BDC at work?
1: No, we listen to Sirius XM.
0: Boy, Jet's got money, huh? Yeah. Satellite radio yeah, in there? $35
1: a week, eight months, great deal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sales, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So for Brother Todd Whaley. Hey,
2: Brother This has been
0: another episode of that other Masonic podcast. Later. Bye.